Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Bombaco, the Scandinavian La Liga podcast. Episode 6, that's crazy. I never thought we would uh, get that far, so let's see if we manage 6 more. As always, I'm joined by Alexander Jonsson, and as always, I have no idea where she might be in the world, so why don't we start off by, you can tell me where you are and what on earth you're doing this time. I, I like your optimism over that <laughs> you didn't think we could make 6 episodes. <laughs> No, this time I'm actually outside of Spain for once. I'm in Milano uh, because today it is, uh, today as we're recording on a Monday, uh, could be noted, it is the big award show in Milano. You know, the Oscars of football. No, I'm just going to drag it up like that. But is the, the FIFA the best here? So I'm um, here because yesterday I was doing a live interview for FIFA with two FIFA legends and as happens to be two players who played quite a lot in Spain. Mm. Um, Jeremy and uh, Santiago Solari, who both played for Real Madrid in the early 2000s, won a few Champions League and La Liga titles with them. And Solari, of course, also coached Real Madrid later. Yep. So that was quite interesting to, to get to sit down and, and chat with them for, uh, for a bit and, and just talk about Real Madrid and, and the glory days. Sounds like you had a pretty nice time because I think there's always a, a worry when you go to do interviews, especially if you've never interviewed the person before. Um, that you don't know how much you're going to get. But from what you were telling me before we went on air, you got way more than you expected. That's great, right? Yeah, for sure. And uh, it definitely helped that they are really good friends, the two of them, uh, from their days in Madrid. Um, they started speaking in, in Spanish before we went on um, and didn't realize I knew Spanish, which was quite <laughs> funny. And, and Solari joked, like, we can take it in Spanish, right? And I said, sure. <laughs> He's like, how's your Spanish? I'm like, good. <laughs> It's like, why is your Spanish again? It's like, I live in Vigo. And then he's like, went quiet. And the guy's behind like, it would be good if you just keep on talking because even though we're not live, <laughs> they will see you. And so Larry was like, I'm just trying to figure out why the heck she lives in Vigo. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good question that we're all, start, all trying to figure out. <laughs> so that was quite a funny moment. No, but uh, so they hadn't seen each other for quite a while. So they were just really happy to get uh, get chatting and uh, and, and talking and and going through all these, these memories. And I think it was ended up being a quite fun interview to watch as well, because it's not just the, the boring, straight, normal answers, mm. but they are actually talking about a little bit behind the scenes and how, how things were playing for Real Madrid and, and how, what it meant to win the, the Champions League in 2002, for example, and, and stuff like that. And gave, uh, gave a lot of uh, more feeling to who they are as people, I would yeah. say. Um, so if anyone is interested to watch that, I think we can put the link because you can watch it Absolutely. even though it was live you can can watch it again um and we can put the link on our twitter later but yeah it, it was really fun and, and just to it's always fun to see these uh, meet these players and see how they are as people you know before and after you do the interview itself and and they were fantastic both of them and, and really nice and down to earth i'd say it's funny because that generation of real madrid is kind of the first generation of real madrid that i remember and uh, now when I think back on them, it suddenly hits me that it's quite a long time ago and it makes me feel incredibly old. <laughs> when Solari took the, when he was given the first team job, it was like, whoa, okay. Uh, the years are rolling by. Um, but I, I think one thing about him, I'm not that surprised. He's the only one out of the two that I have personal experience of, but he just seems like an incredibly nice guy. Like when I, the times that I've been in press conferences last season when, when he was there, he always had a massive smile on his face. And then the only time, I mean, even like, even when he was saying things that were kind of tough love or whatever, he still did it with a smile. 
So it was, it was pretty, he, he seems like just a gen, genuinely very positive person. Um, although I guess what I want to ask you, because he could feel hard done by considering how things ended last season and that he was sort of jettisoned into a job that was an emergency situation that he maybe wasn't ready for. And he could feel better about it, but the impression I get from you is just same old Solari, positive as ever, right? Yeah, for sure. And we talked a little bit about, we didn't talk specifically so much about the, him coaching Real Madrid and how everything went down, but we talked a little bit about the difference of being a coach and being a player, um, as well as how he, uh, as a person, is as a coach and how he keeps his emotions uh, a little bit more inside than, for instance, uh, Diego Simeone or something like that. And there was no no sign of bitterness, I would say. It feels like uh, he did say that it was an obvious choice for him to that being a player is much more fun than being a coach, mm. which I think we all can understand. Uh, but he seems still to, to enjoy really much the, the coaching life, even though there are ups and downs. As he said, that when you win, uh, it's the players that win. And when you lose it's you who lose, not yeah. the players. It's the coach fault and, and things like that. And it was quite interesting that he went on to. Uh, but no, I think, uh, I think he's, uh, he's felt very, very happy and, and positive. And now we talked a lot about the positive time as well, because we talked mostly about his time at, as a player at Real Madrid yeah. and everything that happened there. Uh, but no, he's just, uh, he came in with a big smile and, uh, and he's had a, a lot of a fun time. I mean, I guess as well, as someone who swapped Atletico Madrid for Real Madrid as a player, you're kind of used to pressure. So he's had a long, long time to get accustomed to that. But so let's move on to Solari's successor, Zinedine Zidane, which is a strange thing to say that Solari's successor is Zidane because in my <laughs> head, still Zidane. No, we uh, actually, fun thing as well, we talked about the, that goal that Zidane scored in the 2002 World Cup mm. that Solari was involved in as well, which was quite interesting to hear his thoughts on that. Uh, no, but I think Zidane is having a really tough time right now at Real Madrid. They did one uh, this weekend, and it's it's quite insane how much we criticize Real Madrid and how bad we. I think all of us think they've started the season, mm. but they are still just second in the table just because of goal difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still very very early, um, and I think that it is a very critical time for Real Madrid because. It is not just that their games are not impressive or that they are not picking up the results that you expect them to do. It's that like there feels like there is no real way where they are going. Yeah, I mean, I think there's kind of there's a couple of schools of thought on this. There are the people who are like, so to, to start from the start, if you like, or the closest thing to the beginning, they got absolutely hammered by PSG last week. I mean, they were torn apart. I can't remember the last time I saw Real Madrid being taken apart that much by a team that wasn't called Barcelona. Um, and those games are always different, so you, you can't really take the same conclusions from them. But yeah, and, and there's, so there's two two sort of uh, reactions to that. There were the people who were like, okay, this is just proving a point of something that we've been seeing for a while. And then there were the people that were just waiting for Real Madrid to get a good result, to say, ah, you're all wrong, everything's fine. Uh, this is all nonsense. And the truth's probably somewhere in the middle as always i think i don't think a one now went over sevilla even though it came at a really crucial point for them and it was like you could say it was the first match ball for zidane if you like i think because there's there were genuinely for the first time in the press uh some suggestions that people behind the scenes are starting to question whether he is right to take them forward um but 
I don't know. I mean, I almost, I don't know how you feel about this, but I almost think for a, a club like Real Madrid, if you've just been absolutely torn apart uh, by PSG, then the least you can expect is for them to show a little bit of pride in their next performance and try and up their game. I think we'll find out way more in, you know, three, four, five weeks' time whether this continues or not. Because you, you almost always expect a little bit of a, a bounce back when you've been humiliated so much like that if you've got players of the calibre that Real Madrid have. So I, I think it's a little bit dangerous to start taking too many conclusions like, you know, the comebacks on or whatever. And then the, the thing about being top of the league, we were talking about this off air before, but I can't believe, well, I can't believe, but I, it never fails to amaze me how, how quick people are to try and take conclusions at this stage of the season. I mean, this there was that period last season when like Espanyol were... I think they were joint top or they were second um, at one point before Christmas and they ended up just narrowly scraping into the Europa League at the end of the season. So I think people should maybe hold their horses before they try and extrapolate too much meaning from where Real Madrid are on the league table right now, just as they should probably hold their horses before they try and take any meaning from where Barcelona or Atletico are on the league table right now. So I don't think that the crisis is over by any means. I, I feel like with Madrid, though, just as with Barca and with Atleti, it's, it's really a case of who gets their act together first. Whichever of these three teams somehow manages to 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 click will be the team that will go on to have the success. My hunch is that won't be Madrid. And I still believe, I'll put it out there and I'll open myself up to humiliation, I don't think Zidane will finish the season as Real Madrid boss. Uh, I think there'll be bigger challenges uh, down the line and there'll be more questions asked and I think at some point they'll stumble again uh, and they'll stumble again after that and then there'll be a, a tough call to make but yeah I mean it was, it was a, a result that they needed and they at least stepped up to the occasion on, on this one time. And uh, another coach that is a little bit under pressure we can say after Barcelona lost to Granada this weekend is, is Valverde. Um, do you think, would you say that Barcelona are in a full-on crisis at the moment and there's a lot of people saying that they want uh, Valverde out. We've mm-hmm. been hearing that for quite a while, to be honest. But if they would put him out right now, is there really anyone to bring in? Because I think that is the big trouble with Barcelona. It's yeah. not just firing the coach. It's like, but you need to replace him as well. And who would really be able to come in and get Barcelona where the fans want Barcelona to be? Yeah. But I don't know what you think about this, but I sort of think that Barcelona have kind of been in trouble, if you like. Maybe not crisis, but they've, they've had a problem since, since Anfield, since the Liverpool result. The Roma result the year before, you can maybe take as a one-off. It's a bad night, whatever. But w- when they let that advantage slip in the Champions League uh, and do it in such a bad fashion, especially the now infamous goal from the corner, I think that tells you something else. And, and the real problem is that if Barca were going to make a change, uh, they had to act in the summer. They, they can't do it now or not that they can't do it now but it's, it's far more risky for them to do it now so you can't you can't just suddenly be surprised that they're having problems again if you've already seen some sign of uh, issues uh, several months ago and then the question well I'll throw it back at you as well but I don't know for me it's there are no obvious candidates on the market really I mean the one the one who stands out for me is Ten Hag at Ajax I think he's a really interesting coach and he's proven that he can do a lot with a little so let's see, hopefully at some point in the future, we'll see what he can do with a little bit more. Um, but for someone like that, I mean, first of all, he has a contract. There's no guarantee that he would step in. And then also it feels kind of cruel or like setting him up for failure if you're trying to bring him in and, the, the, you know, when the season's already underway, he doesn't have a preseason. He already has someone else's squad to deal with. 
and and then the the people after that are people like Kiki Setien. I think you're similar in, to me in this regard. That my thoughts that there's this odd way that Kiki Setien has been built up as some kind of potential savior for Barca, completely ignoring what happened at Real Betis. It's almost like a, you know it's, it's of no consequence whatsoever the fact that he ultimately failed to achieve the objectives that were put forward for that Betis squad. So I really don't see an obvious solution. Do you see one? No, I agree with you. And I think that Barcelona as a whole kind of needs to decide as a club what kind of football they want to play because it's not anymore the Barcelona. And this has not been the same Barcelona for a few years now. They used to play this very typical Barca way of football. That is not Barcelona anymore. And I think ever since they kind of stopped with that, they've been going a little bit in circles and not really finding the way that Barcelona plays football, not really finding their ident- new identity, their mm-hmm. style. Uh, and with that, it's also very difficult to appoint a coach because you need a coach that fits the way you want to play. And especially if you do it mid-season, it's even more difficult. But if you do it, as you said, in the summer, then you can start a new project. You can, together with the coach, mm. build the kind of team you want to have and get the right players to work in that way. Now, if it's like Barcelona is in the middle of a lot of different thoughts, uh, a small one that is still the way they used to play, we need to have this type of midfielder, blah, blah, blah. And then another way that we should play more direct, we should play more this type of football. And it just ends up with having a lot of different type of players, but no real type of style. Mm. Um, and I think that's where it becomes difficult when it comes to finding the right coach for Barcelona. Yep. Um, I think, to be honest, that Valverde gets, he's not been perfect for sure. And there is things to criticize, but I think he gets too much criticism. Uh, that is not just his fault, but I think it's, it's comes together with the entire club being a little bit confused with what they are actually doing. Because it's clear that they've decided to leave the Barca identity or what to call it and go and become more of a uh, modern football club mm. in another sense. But they haven't really made a decision on exactly how to do that. Yeah, I think you're right. There's a lack of a clear direction there that actually predates Valverde. And in some way, you could even say, you can find it around about the Luis Enrique time as well, where they were, <laughs> they were trying to evolve somehow and they didn't really know where they were going. But anyway, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that endlessly, I'm pretty sure. And we'll talk about Barca again as we look ahead to the midweek fixtures that are coming up. But we should talk about Real Sociedad, who have an identity i think this season that's pretty clear already um they took another really impressive win this time over espanol 3-1 uh i guess one thing i want to ask you because it was a question that i thought about when when i saw the lineups uh alex Izak dropped back to the bench uh he didn't start the game this time around after getting his first league start i think it was the week before do you think that's uh anything to be concerned about or is it just alguacil rotating because there's so many games now coming up in this short period of time with the midweek fixtures? To be honest, I think it is Emmanuel not really being sure who he wants to prefer, mm. uh, Isaac or William Jose, because it was quite clear going into the season that William Jose is the first option, and then he has not been playing well, and there's been some attitude troubles and, and things like that after the match against Athletic Club, uh, in which he decided to go with Alexander Isaac. I think a little bit as well as a punishment to William Jose to show him. Um, and then he had gotten his punishment and then he used to go back to, to playing him from start. Uh, but at the same time, I was hoping that Isaac would get to continue starting, especially since he did such a great game against Athletic, Atletico Madrid. Uh, but I think it's, um, it's just this thing of, of you don't just switch overnight yep. who is your first choice. 
Um, so I think that's more what it is. They are going to, as you say, have quite a lot of, of matches. So it might be good for him to have both of them going. And he sees that Alexander Isak is in a good form. Uh, and to also get Villa Jose in his, his best... Uh, uh, that's just my speculations in, in how you might be thinking. Yeah, but well, we didn't see him training for starters. Maybe he trained like an absolute animal in the last week to try and get himself back in the starting lineup. He he delivered as well. I think it was the best game I've seen him play uh, this season. Um, and I would almost say that then it would have been a concern that he'd scored a couple for Isaac, mm-hmm. but then for, for Isaac to come off the bench and score was huge, I think, because it, it keeps that dilemma there. It doesn't give anyone a real advantage in that race. It will be interesting to, to see how it unfolds, but I think now the temptation might be because I think Isaac's a little bit quicker. He's a little bit less static. Um, and when the game stretched, uh, as his goal showed uh, the weekend against Espanyol, he can really take advantage of that. So there might be a temptation now from Alguacil to say, okay, well, he'll be my my impact sub, if you like, from the bench, which might be the easiest way to keep both of them happy for the time being. But the goal, I think, anyway, uh, for, for Isaac, given the context, and also given now that we're, we're five rounds into the league, was huge. Um, I think if he hadn't scored this weekend maybe people would start to say okay that we're, we're getting to six matches we've got mm-hmm. a striker that we spent a little bit of money on who's a lot of potential but he still hasn't found the net um i think in the context it was a really it's a perfect moment for him to score and that, that could be important for the young swede hopefully yeah and especially in in as you said this duel with william jose i think that uh real sociedad and Imanol are going to be playing both of them quite regularly and mm-hmm. switching between them a little bit and if they can get both of them going uh, together with everything else that is working so well for Real Sociedad yeah. at the moment, it's going to be a very, very hard team to, to beat in La Liga. And speaking of things that are going well for them, we have another Scandinavian there who had another outstanding weekend, yeah. which was Martin Aregord. So what kind of praise do you have for him this week? <laughs> I'm starting to run out of words to praise him with. I think I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, when I was starting to think about what we would talk about. And I, I don't know if there's anyone playing like Odegaard in La Liga at the moment. He's playing like a proper old school playmaker, someone that can that can score goals, but also drop deep and create from pretty much just about anywhere. He, he reminds me, and uh, the way he's playing for Real Sociedad at the moment is the kind of responsibility that Barca expect Messi to take on. Pretty much everything goes through him. Maybe in a similar way to the way that Griezmann used to play for uh, Atletico Madrid. The pass for, I can't remember which of the goals it was. It might, I think it was the second goal. Um, there's a through ball that he plays for Porto and it's just ridiculous. I mean, there, there's a handful of players in La Liga who can play that ball. That's how good it was. And now, I, I mean, I, I, I said this the other night and I wasn't joking. I think it's getting to the point where people might just start sticking a man on Odegaard now. Get someone to man mark him and stay with him because... He's constantly moving all the time trying to find space and he can hurt you from so many different positions. It's really quite remarkable to watch. There's a big game coming up for him, a big game coming up for Real Sociedad in the midweek. It's another Bass Derby. I always think, how many Bass Derbies? Like, it feels like every <laughs> other week <laughs> there's a Bass Derby in La Liga. Uh, against Alaves, it's uh, in San Sebastián, though. I mean, this is one I want to ask you because you know that part of the world really well. So how closely are these two teams located geographically for starters? Because maybe most people couldn't pick Vittoria on a map. Um, and, and is there any rivalry between them? So if we start with geographically, they are of the four teams, they are the two Basque teams that are the furthest away from each, each other. Because you have San Sebastian, furthest to, now I need to think, I think to the right or to the left, mm-hmm. whatever. Then you have Eibar in the middle, Bilbao, and then down from Bilbao, you get to Vittoria. So you have Bilbao and Eibar between uh, these two cities. 
and their rivalry in general isn't so big because the well it's a bus derby still and there is rivalry between all of the bus teams but they have uh, they are they both have athletic club as their main rival yep. of the basque teams so in that sense they come a little bit on the same side uh, but they have some history quite recent history of of battling each other i think two different occasions when it comes to promotion and, and relegation between la liga and and the second division so they have a few uh, historical matches between them in, in that sense that have created a little more, more rivalry i'd say but in general when it comes to all the basque teams as soon as there is two of the basque teams playing each other it just becomes a, a big fiesta outside of the pitch a lot of pinchos and uh, it's not even a surprise to see any fans from the other two teams that are not playing yeah. coming to the matches to join because it's it's what a bus derby creates. And obviously, Athletic Club against Real Sociedad is the biggest one. But even when you have Alaves Athletic Club or Alaves uh, Real Sociedad or Real Sociedad Eibar, etc., it's it's good ones and, and great uh, matches as well. Yeah. Um, and I think also before, like while we're on the Basque clubs, before we go further... There is a, another club I think we should mention because they are topping the league. Now, as you said before, it's very early in the stage of the season. Uh, so it's, uh, it doesn't say that much in, in one sense. But I think still think when it comes to Athletic Club, who is the club now at the top, I think it says a little bit because in my opinion, they are so far after five rounds, it's still very early, the most consistent team mm. in how they have been playing. Like we've seen uh, Real Sociedad, for example, they've been really good in most of their matches, but their match against Athletic Club yep. was a very big, big dip and a big, where you start to get a few doubts, like, are they really at the level we're expecting them to be? And I think with many of the teams that we've been praising, we've seen, if we take Sevilla or we take Celta or whatever teams, there's been some matches where they've been incredible and then some matches where you're like, What's, what is this really? And Athletic have just been, I think they've been flying under the radar a bit. Like, no one is really talking about them. And it comes as well with them not doing any signings in the summer, so there is no new players to, to hype or anything like that. But they're just, like, on their own, working in, in their little part of the Basque country and doing things really, really well, I think. Well, I think well, there's two things to this. So I think that there's definitely going to be an opportunity this year for someone to sneak into fourth, I think. Because you can see already that Valencia, I mean, who knows what's going on with them. We neither head nor tails know what to make of them at the moment. Uh, Sevilla, again, not entirely sure if they'll have settled uh, and find the consistency to get there. So th th there's a gap there that opens up. Athletic's strength is they have a really clear identity. Uh, so I think that the fact that they've, they've got a group of players that know each other really well, they know their coach really well, that they didn't have to start anything afresh uh, this season is helping them. But my concern with them is the same concern I had last season. I think it's the reason why they ultimately uh, missed out on something a little bit better after that incredible comeback under uh, Garitano is that they don't have enough goals. I, I don't see who's going to get 20 goals a season in that athletic team. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, the, the alternative is what happened with Valencia last season where you get a lot of goals across different players in the team. So that could happen. But it's, it's always my big worry with them is that they won't put the ball in the back of the net enough to... to achieve something as huge as getting into fourth a game would be. But let's see. I, I agree with you, but I think there is a few things that makes me think that Athletic could end up taking a Champions League spot. I think, as you say, the, the big doubt with them is that they don't have a pure goal scorer. 
At the same time, I think both at the end of last season, Iker Munyain stepped up a lot. Mm. I think Inaki Williams, we're seeing him evolving constantly. Um, and I think there is a, a Raul Garcia has been scoring a few goals already. So I think they can, uh, if they just get the harmony and everything going, and then their strength is their defense. So they won't need as many goals as many other teams in La Liga, because there's a lot of teams in La Liga that have horrible defenses, mm. which is why they need to score so much, because they let in so many goals. And with Athletic, it's a team that doesn't let in, let in very, very few goals. They are topping the league right now because of goal difference as well. It's still very early, but still uh, to be noted. So I think they might not need as many goals as many other teams. And again, I think there is it's so many clubs, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, which are not really their uh, challengers, but uh, so many clubs, Valencia, etc. There is so much chaotics going on inside the clubs and in the teams. While Athletic are the one club, I think, that are in the most in the best situation when it comes to everything around and they are just in so good harmony and they are so consistent in everything they do um, and that's why I think that thanks to how other clubs are failing together with how strong they, they are as a unity um, and the fact that even though they are missing that that pure goal scorer because Aduris is, is not that man anymore I think this season they might not need it as much as they would need it uh, any other season. No, I think that's fair. And there's definitely, I mean, regardless of what the outcome is, there's a huge amount of positivity there right now. And it's a good time to be an athletic fan, which is also, you know, they have to, to be an athletic fan, you have to have an inbuilt patience because you never quite know what to expect, depending on what crop of players you get that year. Um, and right now is a nice moment for them. I think if they're flying under the radar for being uh, exceptional compared to what we would expect, then someone who's our team that's flying under the radar, at least for me, that, that just how bad they're doing is Alaves. I was looking at, they've won once, they've scored two goals in five games. So if we're talking about goal problems, then there's a team with goal problems. Do you think there's a risk that they get sucked into a relegation battle or if they're not there already? And then also, I guess, from our perspective, is, does this give us any glimmer of hope considering how few goals they're scoring that at some point, John Gadetti will get a chance because he didn't even make the bench at the weekend, which is really striking, but they didn't score. Yeah, well, to start off, I think uh, this shows like how it's badly it's going for them at the start of the season. It shows even more and again how good Ablardo was when he was at Alaves because when he took over, they were in a similar situation. And I'm sure a few players have left and their roster have changed a little bit, but I think it just points out even more like the miracle he was doing at Alaves. Um, and I think, I'm to be honest, I'm not too surprised that it's going like it's going. Um, I After them losing Abelardo and a few of their key players this summer are not really doing any extraordinary signings. Or there was some interesting signings like Lucas Perez, who hasn't really lived up to anything so far. And, and Alex Vidal as well. Uh, but they, it just feels like they, they have didn't really do anything extraordinary in the summer. They didn't do anything that they needed. Um, and it's just so big shoes to fill after Abelardo and so high expectations on them suddenly that they're not really used to having, I think. Uh, so I'm not really surprised that they, they haven't been performing. And I wouldn't be surprised if they end up in a relegation battle. It's, uh, it's very difficult for clubs of that size to, like what they did last season is extraordinary and to keep on doing that. Um, and when it comes to John Gudetti, 
I think it's three matches or two matches in a row now where he's not even been on the bench. Uh, so it's kind of safe to say by this point because it's not because of injuries um, that he's that he's counted out uh, as Alaves. He's not any more third option. He's fourth option or even further down. Um, so I think he's gonna look to to leave the club as soon as possible. I think he would have liked to li- leave in, in the summer. And things just didn't turn out when it comes between Alaves and, and the clubs he, he was uh, looking at going to. But I think uh, he's already probably now working on uh, trying to find his new club for, for the January window. That is would be my guess because yeah. he's a player who, if there's one thing with John Goodetti, he it is he loves to play. Yeah. Uh, so there, there might be players where you say, okay, He's happy living where he's living. He gets a good paycheck. He doesn't really care if he gets to play or, or not. He's just having the lifestyle. But I don't think that is, is John Goodetti because he's, he's a guy who is just desperately to be, uh, desperate to be on a football field. So uh, I definitely think he, he would probably try to leave in January. Alaves are starting to remind me a little bit actually of uh, Girona last season where you have this thing where you, you lose a coach who had such a clear mm-hmm. identity and had such a huge impact on the team and then you just start to drop like a stone. I think it, it, it shows as well like how important a coach can be when, especially when it comes to those smaller clubs and what an impact one person can actually have yeah. more than I think you, you really believe. All right, so moving on, we'll look briefly ahead to, well, there's a huge amount of games this week, but some of them are more interesting than others. Camp Nou, Barcelona hosting Villarreal. So I I was saying to you before we started this, I always love this game, and I think it's just because it reminds me of all these previous encounters between them where the two teams just go for it. It feels like with Villarreal and Barca, you know what to expect. You know it's going to be an attacking match. One that would probably, I don't know what you think, but it's one that I would recommend anyone who even if they're, they're not a huge fan of La Liga if they want to see some of the best uh, attacking football in La Liga then this is always a good fixture to tune into yeah for sure and it's uh, uh it's actually one match I've had uh, people who asked me if there's one match to to go to in Spain and they said a few months and I looked at the schedule I was like okay go to to Barcelona yeah. Real and I sent them for it and I think that match I don't remember why it was but it was one of the crazy ones most of them are so, so they were very happy with the choice yeah uh, no, definitely, it's it's always fun football when when those two play because Villarreal is Barcelona is obviously not a defensive team and, and neither is Villarreal. It's it's two teams that like playing football and it creates a lot of goals, a lot of craziness and, and that a lot of enjoyment. I'd say for anyone who watch, maybe not so much for fans because it's a little bit <laughs> for your life expectancy. It's not great. They're kind of, I mean, in some way, at least for a while, they were. Maybe the closest thing to Barcelona in terms of their playing identity in La Liga was Villarreal. And both teams have mm-hmm. kind of moved on from them, but certainly under the, the Pellegrini era, it was very much a possession-based uh, attacking team. And then you would see these games, the games between them seem to be very unpredictable. Like I, I mentioned off air, there's the one where Forlan got a hat-trick at the Camp Nou. And then there was in Guardiola's, even in the treble season, I mean, most people remember the outcome that it was a treble, but there was that point at the end where there was a slight dip. There was a crazy game between Villarreal and Barca at the Camp Nou there, I think ended up being 3-3. So yeah, if you, you pick one of the fixtures to, to watch this week, if you're a neutral and you, you want to see goals in it, I'd recommend that, which means it's probably going to end up now-now. Yep, for sure. Villarreal are above Barca in the table. I'm asking this question because I don't know the answer myself, but what do we expect of Villarreal this year? Like, do we expect them? I think we didn't expect them to be in a relegation battle last year. That's for sure. But they ended up there. So do we expect that they're going to avoid that entirely this year? I mean, maybe, you know, if it's talking about opportunity, 
maybe they could end up in Europe. I don't know. They they have a pretty decent squad. I'm just never quite sure about the coach, but maybe that's unfair. What do you think? No, but Villarreal, I think, is, is one of those really difficult teams to predict because one season they are playing in Europe, the next season they're relegated. Um, and we are in a relegation battle. And then they get back from the second division and they go out in Europe again. So they're a little bit of a Joyo team. Mm. Um, and uh, I think that it's a team that is from a very small city, uh, which is worth pointing out as well. Um, so just the fact that they are a team that goes out and plays in Europe and plays in La Liga at all is, is quite extraordinary. Uh, but they become such a uh, point in, in La Liga by now that everyone is just used to it a little bit that Eibar is becoming as well. Uh, but it's, I think it's very difficult to say and it's too early to say as well. Um, uh, what they I think they've been missing and they missed a lot last season is uh, their captain Bruno Soriano has been out injured yeah. for two years now, uh, which is insane. Really hope that he can get back this season, which is the last season on his contract, just to get a little bit of playing time, or even do a Santi Casorla would be amazing. Yeah. But they have players like Santi, who is uh, like one of the most enjoyable players to watch in La Liga. It's incredible to to see what he can do with the ball, and um, and they have a lot of other players as well. So it's a uh, it's a difficult one, and um, you mentioned the coach, Javi Caleja, who uh, was a quite interesting story last season because yeah. he was fired, um, was out of the job for, what was it, uh, less than a month or something like that, and they realized, and it went even worse, and they realized, like, maybe we did a mistake, and then they rehired him, and then he changed everything, got the got out back, so they, they avoided relegation. Um, yeah, I mean, I never quite... I'm never quite sure. Actually, one thing that struck me when you were saying there, I never thought about this before, but I think from population compared to how well-known they are internationally, like Villarreal must be at the top of the list because yeah, yeah. it's not a big place at all. But if you ask most people who have some knowledge of football, do they know who Villarreal is? I think they probably do, thanks to their runs in the Champions League. Um, you know, I guess it's a decade ago now, actually, we're getting old. It's quite incredible. It's an incredible story. And then also the yo-yo thing. I mean, well, yeah, the yellow submarine, you know, this is kind of what they do. They go up and down. And yeah, and let's move on. Uh, so we had Athletic Madrid travel to Mallorca after their draw at home uh, to Celta last weekend. Um, and Simeone has been a bit uh, criticised for again taking off uh, Joao Felix um, in the second half. Do you think that was deserved or? No, I think I think people maybe have short memories about this, but this is really consistent. This is exactly what he did with Antoine Griezmann. I mean, I think Griezmann even I don't know if he got on. I don't know if he scored or if he assisted, but he he played at, in his first season at Atleti. He played well in the the Super Cup game where they beat Real Madrid, and then like a few weeks later, he was on the bench again. So this is exactly the same kind of the model, if you like, for bedding Joe Felix in as uh, Simeone used with Griezmann. And I think we should give him the benefit of the doubt with that one because it worked out pretty well in the long run. The thing with him is he he doesn't have favourites. He doesn't make exceptions for people. He expects uh, 100%. And if he sees something in a player's game that he doesn't think is 100% yet, then he'll adjust accordingly. So I don't think anyone should be surprised. And also, I mean, the other thing that he has to take into consideration is, which I think you saw with his starting lineup against Celta as well, is that he has to rotate 
He has to rotate this week. He has to keep people fresh. And considering how important Joel Felix potentially could be, even in this game against Mallorca, it, it makes sense to rest him a bit. So I, I get why fans are maybe a little bit unhappy, but I think it's perfectly consistent with what he's did before. A draw looked like a bad result at the start of the weekend. And then with the way Barca played and the, the loss that they picked up, in the end, it doesn't turn out to be that bad at all. The other team who got the better result of the big three, Real Madrid, they host Osasuna on Wednesday. You know Osasuna, you know Pamplona. Is this one of those games where if it was a home fixture for Osasuna, we could expect an upset, but because it's at the Bernabeu, it just feels like a foregone inclusion? Or is that a little bit unfair? Do you think they can do something in Madrid? The only thing I would say, only reason I would say that they could probably do something in Madrid is just because of what has happened at the Bernabeu uh, last season and this season as well. And we've seen Real Madrid lose points and we've seen teams like Levante, etc. gone to Barnabeu and, and win. Mm. And that that gives, like I think we talked about this before, it gives these smaller teams another view of going, approach of going to that match. Like while before they would travel to Camp Nou or Barcelona and they would feel already before that they have lost the match. But now they know and they've seen other teams have been able to do it. And just imagine as a player, for example, for Osasuna to get to win at Bernabeu, it's incredible. Um, and everyone wants to, to get to experience that and knowing that you, there is actually, even if it's small and even if uh, it's mostly imaginary, but there is this feeling that others can, if Levante can do it, we can do it. Um, and then they go into that match in another way uh, at the same time as, as we have a Real Madrid, who we talked about before, is uh, we don't really know exactly where we have them. Um, and they don't seem to have the same motivation as we are normal used to see from Real Madrid, and especially maybe when they play smaller teams. So I think there's, I think Real Madrid is most likely going to win, but there is still a possibility for Osasuna. Would that possibility be bigger if they were playing at El Sadar? Definitely, because El, El Sadar is the, the nightmare stadium for yep. any La Liga team. This season and last time Osasuna was in La Liga, um, it's a, a very, very difficult away ground to go to for, for any team. So there it would be several percent higher chance for Osasuna to, to take points. But I don't think it's impossible just the way La Liga looks, the way Real Madrid has been uh, at the Bernabeu lately for Osasuna to take points, even though Real Madrid are obviously the big favourites. I mean, the only thing that might help them actually, and the thing that might help Mallorca as well, is that there's a derby coming up. So it's impossible for both Real Madrid and Atletico not to have one eye on that, not to be thinking about it. So you never know. I mean, maybe if if uh, either coach, either Diego Simeone or Zinedine Zidane or any of the players switch off a little bit and start to get, you know, look beyond the, the next game, then maybe that presents an opportunity. Yeah, the derby we're building towards. I don't know about you, but it feels like the we're so close to Madrid derby and there's not been that much said about it i don't know if it's just because we've got these fixture congestion thing going on with the midweek and then the champions league before but i don't know i've not i've not felt like there's been much build up to it yet though i'm sure that will change later in the week for for me at least i think this game when it comes could be huge for both teams if atletico win then suddenly zidane's back on the ropes again and atleti are on the up and then if real madrid win then perhaps the crisis talk will be over for a while uh, and then the other thing is that we saw with these games is they're really unpredictable. Last season, Real Madrid went and won at the Wanda when I really thought that they, they were least expected to do it when Solari was there, actually. Uh, what do you think? Potentially huge fixture already for both clubs? Yeah, I think like especially because we have a La Liga right now that is so 
there's like no set view. There's not like, okay, Barcelona are topping with this many points or Real Madrid or Atletico are. It is all so mixed and we're still in a point where we're, I think everyone is trying to figure out who of these three teams are in the best situation. I, I do think it's Atletico Madrid as we've talked about before, uh, but we still haven't really got that confirmed, mm. um, which, because it's, we all know how La Liga works and even though there is a lot of really good teams and I think it's a very competitive league, it will most likely end with either Barcelona, Real Madrid or Atletico winning the title. Um, and it's super early, but we don't have any kind of indication which of these three teams um, are in the best situation to, to go and do that. Um, and I think a match like this will show us, even though it's super early, it will show us between these two teams, between Real Madrid and Atletico, who are in the better state. Um, and it will, motivational-wise, be such a huge thing for either club. And because... Uh, especially I think with Real Madrid if they lose it it's going to create there's already so much criticism going on about Real Madrid there's always uh, already so much negativity would it then go and lose against Atletico in the Madrid derby um, that could that could be really could change a lot of things and that might actually be a start for for Zidane to leave depending on what hap- how they bounce back after a yeah. defeat there would Real Madrid win that would change everything as well. So I think that is, for, for it being a derby that is that early in the schedule, I think it's going to be way more decisive than it would have been in, in most seasons if it would be that early. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right. The context is really important. All right, that's enough for one week because that's tons. And also I want to put you out of your misery because you've soldiered through a throat problem and the cold and that's never easy. Next week, we'll be back with something a little bit different. Hopefully, I'll give you more details of that. We'll put it out on Twitter at BombathoPod. So until then, Alexander Jonsson, enjoy Milan. I'm incredibly jealous. I'm going to go and eat some Italian food now. I can't wait. I've heard that Italy's a good place to do that. Yeah. Uh, Solari told me they have really good pasta here, so I'm going to really? go try it. Anyway, that's all for this week. So, uh, hey I guess. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao.